For scripture reading, we turn to Joshua chapter 1. read also a few verses from Numbers 27. We'll start with Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. We'll read just that far from Joshua 1 tonight. But to read in some of the, the previous, we look first at Numbers 27. A few verses there. In verse 18. Numbers 27, verse 18, we'll read from 18 to, to 23. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in, in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, 
that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his, at his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. And then also a few verses from Deuteronomy 31. Taking note of how also here we read of a repetition of that phrase, be of the exhortation, be strong and of a good courage. Deuteronomy 31, we'll read verses 1 through 8 and verse 23. And Moses went and spake these words unto all Israel, and he said unto them, I am an hundred and twenty years old this day. I can no more go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord hath said. And the Lord shall do unto them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and unto the land of them whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face, that ye may do unto them according unto all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go before thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called on Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of a good courage. For thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, and he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. And then one last verse, verse 23. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of a good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel unto the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. In the text we consider are the first four verses of Joshua 1. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, in his applicatory service, we consider some of the first, the first verses of the book of, of Joshua. Joshua is one of the books of the inspired scripture, although the writer of this book is not known. 
with certainty. Different people have different ideas of who may have written it. But this is an example of uh, one of the books of the Bible where the one that was used to write it is not explicitly told to us. Well, what's of course important is that this is the Word of God. That is what is important for us to know, and we have no doubt that that is the case. And this book speaks to us about the fulfillment of God's covenant promise that God's people would inherit the land. And it also stresses the importance of God's people believing, believing the promise, being strong and courageous, and doing precisely as God tells them to do. I want to bring out those, those two points and to see the significance of how in this book we see that idea of the unconditional covenant along with that calling to do precisely what God calls us to do. Be strong, be courageous. There will be many that would try to lead us astray. And that our calling is to fight against our spiritual foes and to live to the honor of God. That on the one hand, it stresses the unconditionality of the covenant. One thing that is striking is the fact that Israel, repeatedly we read of how Israel didn't do what God said. Like before when they after they came out of Egypt and they send the spies and ten come back with an evil report and the people start to cry and now they're not going to go into the land right away and they're going to wander in the wilderness they're going to be in the wilderness for some 40 years but they would go into the promised land many of them would die in the wilderness but they would go into the promised land. It wasn't the case that God said, well, my, that, that's it. You know, you didn't fulfill the condition. You haven't done what I've said. And the promise was conditional, so, and you're not going to inherit the land. He brought them in. Just as he said he would. And in the book of Joshua, when they, as they're fighting, there's many places where we read of disobedience. And we also, when you go forth into the book of Judges, yet you see how God is faithful and he fulfills his covenant promise. Here we also see that there is a typical fulfillment of the promise here. As we will talk about when we look at it from the viewpoint of the promise, what, what, what was the promise of the land? How is that promise fulfilled? We have a typical fulfillment in this history. What is it that God promises us? We sang just moments ago about obtaining the land, dwelling in the land. A number of passages, a number of places in the psalm, we speak, we speak of that. And we will look, Lord willing, at the, that the promise of what is referred to as the inheritance of the land. 
But also we see here, and this goes with the idea of applicatory too, is the fact that repeatedly there is stressed the importance of doing what God says. And though there will be those that would come against us, be strong and courageous. The repetition of that in the passages that we read in, in, in like Deuteronomy 31 and also in Joshua 1, and if we were to continue on in Joshua 1, we, we see that repeated again. The very last words, only be strong and of a good courage. When you see that repetition, I wonder well, why that repetition? All I have to do is try to put ourselves in the position of what they were being called to do. To go across the Jordan, to go into a land where people live. Some people that were very tall were referred to earlier, and place and some places where there were fortresses, and that they were to utterly destroy them. And these people are going to come after them. They're to go forward. The people are going to start to cross this Jordan River and enter into the land and fight the inhabitants and destroy them. And as they would contemplate that, that we're actually going to do this, repeatedly they're told, be strong, be courageous, God will be with you. The repetition of that brings out the importance of how they needed to keep thinking of that. God will be with you. Has not God commanded us? Be strong and of a good courage. Don't deviate from the commandments. This book of the law shall not depart of thy mouth. Meditate day and night. Don't depart from the right hand or the left. Don't deviate. Go forward and fight. And that brings out, you know, the importance of our calling and has many applications to our daily life. When we talk about the covenant as unconditional, sometimes people may say something to the effect, we don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything. Well, what do they mean? Somebody says we don't have to do anything. If someone means we don't do anything to get into Christ, that is true, and we stress that. It isn't that we have to do something and then we get in. Or if somebody means we have to keep doing something or we're going to lose our salvation, we say that's not true. It's not the case that we have to keep doing something or we'll somehow lose our salvation will no longer be in Christ. That's not true. There's no condition. Our salvation is not based on any activity that we perform. That doesn't mean we don't have a calling. As those who are in the body of Christ, who did nothing to get in, who are saved by irresistible grace, and who know that we will always be in Christ, We have a calling. And we have enemies that are opposing us, constantly opposing us. 
constantly trying to lead us to deviate, to do exactly what God says not to do. Just as it was in the Garden of Eden, where God told Adam what not to do, and then very quickly there's someone telling him to do exactly the opposite of what God told him not to do. So we have many that are tempting us and that would tempt our children. We and our children are called to go forth and fight a spiritual battle. Though it is the case that no, we don't fight against, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We considered that not that long ago when we went through the book of Ephesians and at the end, the last sermon on that spoke about the spiritual nature of the battle. Well, now we go into the book of Joshua and look at it from the viewpoint that this is a spiritual battle. No, we're not engaged in physical warfare. We're not seeking some kind of an earthly kind of a kingdom. But we are to fight. And we are to fight with spiritual weapons. And we are to fight by faith. We are to trust in our God. We are to believe God's promise of which we sing and know that the Lord will grant us and our children all we need. We consider this passage under the theme, Go Over This Jordan. We consider the leader, secondly, the, the promise, and thirdly, the, the calling. First of all, the leader, and then we'll point out the fact that he is a type of Christ, but first looking at it from the viewpoint of Joshua. Joshua was of the tribe of Ephraim. Read elsewhere in Scripture, we read of the, as time went on, there was conflict between the tribe of Ephraim and the tribe of Judah. From the line of Ephraim, from the tribe of Ephraim came came Joshua. Of course, the Messiah would come from the line of Judah, and David came from the line of, of Judah, a type of Christ. But Joshua was of the tribe of, of Ephraim. He was chosen by God. We read of that in Numbers 27. That God was the one that had determined who was to be the leader as they went into the promised land. And Moses exhorted him. And he, Joshua was referred to as Moses' minister. We read of that in verse 1 of Joshua 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Joshua was referred to as Moses' minister. In fact, Moses is said to have named him Joshua or Jehoshua. We read of that in Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 16. 
It lists the names of the, the men that were sent to spy out the land. And one of them's name was Oshia, uh, the same name as the, the prophet Hosea. And it says, Moses called Oshia, the son of Nun, Jehoshua, which is also referred to as simply Joshua. But Moses called him that. And, you know, we considered this morning how the name Jesus, Jehovah's salvation, corresponding to, in the Old Testament, the name of, of, of Joshua or Jehoshua. Joshua was known for the fact that he stood with Caleb. Again, when the others were bringing an evil report. And so as we see what's about to happen when they're going to go into the promised land, Joshua had, and Caleb had spoken about this earlier about how God would be with them and that they were to go. But the people were not listening to them. Instead, they listened to the other, the other spies. And so Joshua is known for that. He's also known for leading the battle against Amalek when Moses' hands were, were held up. Joshua was leading in that battle against Amalek. We read in the book of Joshua, Joshua and the high priest Eleazar. In the books of, and in the wandering of the wilderness, we think of Moses and Aaron. Now going into the promised land, you have Joshua and the high priest, the son of Aaron, is Eleazar. There's a number of passages where we read of him, and in fact, the book ends referring to the death of Joshua and also the death of Eleazar, the priest, the son of Aaron. Now, we know that when we read of Joshua, our mind is to be directed to Jesus Christ, and that he is a type of Christ. We read, in fact, in Hebrews 4, verse 8, we read of Joshua, and he's even referred to there, the way they, they, they refer to they, in, in Joshua 4, verse 8, we read, if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Well, that word Jesus there is actually referring to Joshua. If Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day with regard to the entering, into, entering of his rest, the enjoying of rest. Joshua is a type of Christ, and he's referred to in the, in the scriptures as such. Bringing out to us that, of course, God, Christ, is the one that's leading the people. 
And the one who would lead them into the land was God, the Son of God. The captain of their salvation appears soon in the book. We read of the Son of God as the captain, as the one that is the the leader of the people and who gives instruction to Joshua, bringing out that the one who is leading them, of course, is God, and that Joshua is a type of Christ, and that when we see Joshua leading the people, our mind is to be on Christ leading us and guiding us and directing us and Jesus accomplishing the victory. Of course, when we think of Jesus accomplishing the victory, on the one hand, he atoned for our sin. He reconciled us to God. He alone suffered and died for us alone. He overcame death. Took away the cause of death, namely sin. He obtained for us the quickening spirit, as we read in the Lord's Supper form. Christ also works in us so that we fight. He guides us. We are members of his body, and he works within us that we engage in battle, that we engage in warfare. The promises are to Christ. The promises are to us in Christ. So that when we talk about the promised land, we remember that the promises, of course, are to Christ and to those who have been chosen in Christ. God speaks to Joshua now that Joshua might be encouraged as the time has come for them to go into the land we read of God speaking to Joshua now after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua. He had been called to do this. We read of that earlier. Now when the time comes to go in, God speaks to him. That he might be encouraged, that he might be strengthened. He hears God himself telling him what he's called to do. Speaking of the calling and speaking of the promise. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua had been Moses' minister. He had listened to Moses. Now the time has come that Moses is gone. Moses is dead. It's Joshua's time to lead. And God tells him what he's to do and also tells him the promise. 
go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them. I give to them. So he speaks of the promise. Unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto the Moses, and so on. So he tells him the promise, and he also gives him the calling, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. And we look first at the promise then that was given to him, and then go to the calling. Looking at the promise first. How are we to understand that promise? This promise of the land. Go over this Jordan. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. How are we to understand that promise? And first of all, with regard to the answer to that question, looking at it from what specifically was said as far as the boundaries of the land, and then what, what, what is it referring to, though? First, there's reference to the, the boundaries of the land. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, they had to the south, they had a, the wilderness to the south, and if you went to the north, they had Lebanon. And the thought could be by referring to it as this Lebanon, bringing out the idea of their closeness, closerness, that they were closer to it, so that it's referred to as this Lebanon. Even as when it says, go over this Jordan, the idea that this is close by. So they were told that the wilderness in the south would be the border, and also this Lebanon was going to be the border. And then also as far as the east and the west, obviously on the west side you had the border of the what we today would refer to as the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, there here it's referred to as the Great Sea. The Great Sea toward the going down of the sun. And then on the other side would be the river, the river Euphrates. This land was given to Israel, bringing out that God had determined, God had eternally determined that Israel would receive this land. And now was the time that he was going to bring his people into the land to possess the land that he had eternally determined to give them. Now, as far as applying this to us, we sang moments ago about inheriting the land. The evildoers, 
soon the evildoers soon shall die. But those that on the Lord rely shall all the land obtain. So we, we sing of this, this idea today as far as applying it to today, that we, they shall obtain all the land. The next stanza, stanza three. This is Psalter 96, which we just sang. Yea, thou shalt soon consider well the place where they were wont to dwell, and it shall not be found. But saints shall all the land possess. All the land possess. And we're familiar with the fact that God says the meek shall inherit the earth. There was a portion of the earth that was referred to as the promised land, and we read of these borders here. Yet we know that Scripture speaks to us about the fact that what God is promising his people is the earth. They'll inherit the earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we will inherit the earth. In Christ, we we inherit all things in Jesus Christ. In Romans 4, verse 13, Abraham is said to be heir of the world. And we who are, the, who are the recipients of the promise. Abraham's seed is Christ. And us in Christ. In Hebrews eleven sixteen, Hebrews 11, we often look at that that speaks of how the sojourners in the promised land, our fathers who sojourned in the land, were looking for a heavenly land. And we know God has promised us that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This wasn't merited. We don't merit the promised land. It's given unconditionally. And that promise is particular. The idea that the promise is unconditional goes with the idea that it's particular. Unconditional and particular go together. To say that the promise is conditional, as many do, that goes with the idea that it's to all human beings. It's all human beings, but it's conditional. Or it's to all that are in the sphere of the covenant, but it's conditional. Where the truth is that the promise is unconditional, but also particular. Because someone may say, well, there's many that, many that are cut off. Yes, many are cut off. Many don't heed the word of God. Many reject the word of God. Many walk impenitently in sin. They reject 
Christ, the Savior, the only Savior. They may be sitting where the truth is preached. They, have been, they may have been Israelites in the time of which we read, and yet they don't believe. And they're cut off. And they perish. But God brings his elect people into the obtaining, brings us in, and we obtain all the blessings that Christ purchased for us. It's particular and unconditional. Secondly, we take note of the idea that the promised land and the entering of the land has the idea of it's about this, what we're being taught about here is, is about entering God's rest. And you'll see in our own history when we've written about this idea of the entering the promised land that you'll see that phrase, entering God's rest. We read of that in the book of Hebrews. And when God spoke about those that weren't going to enter into the land, he said they were not going to enter into his rest. And that's the language that was used. And that many did not enter in because of unbelief. They did not enter in. They did not enter into the promised land. God swear they would not enter into his rest. To whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Those are the last two verses of Hebrews 3. Speaking of those that could not enter into the, into the land, they couldn't enter into God's rest because of unbelief. Bringing out the importance of believing, of faith. Now that idea of the rest, entering into the rest, We do have a Lord's Day that talks about that idea. This idea that entering into the promised land, the scriptures speak of the entering into the promised land and uses the language of entering God's rest. We bring that up when we talk about the fourth commandment. And what that commandment about the Sabbath day is about, which makes sense when you're talking about rest. The Sabbath day has to do with rest. What is, the Sabbath, what is that Sabbath day about? Well, we not only speak about the importance of us not working on the Lord's day, although there are some works of necessity, <coughs> charity, But we also bring out, and the importance of gathering for worship on the Sabbath day, which is brought out in the 
in the confession, but then it also speaks of something that has, is with regard to every day. And you recall what it said. All the days of my life, I cease from my own evil works and yield myself unto the Lord to work by his spirit in me and thus begin in this life that everlasting Sabbath, that everlasting rest. Ceasing from our evil works, yielding ourselves unto the Lord to work by his spirit in us. Which was the calling of the people in Joshua's day. They were to believe the promise. They were to cease from their evil works and yield themselves unto the Lord to work by his spirit in them and thus begin in this life that everlasting rest. So that idea of two, the idea of the new earth, you know, dwelling with God in the new earth, and that idea of resting with God, resting and communing with God, that we have fellowship with God, we commune with him, we dwell with God and fellowship with him. That also is... Uh, referred to in connection with this idea of the dwelling with God in the land. So the dwelling in the land, the ones dwelling in the land are the ones dwelling with God. Dwelling with God in the land. Enjoying covenant communion and fellowship with God. Now, God promises us that we'll in Christ we inherit all things. And we know that nothing can separate us from his love. And as those who have the promise and who believe that unconditional promise, we've got a battle to engage in. And you put your, you know, you think of yourself in the position of Joshua or in the others that were going to be with him as they go forward. How's this all going to be? We're going to go into this land. There, there are people there that live there. And they're going to come to get us. They're going to come after us. They're going to unite and come after us with their weapons. They're going to assault us. And of earlier, when they had gone, sent out the spies, you know, they came back and said, the land is good, yeah, that's true. But we saw the people there. Joshua and Caleb spoke positively. Then they spoke about 
the fact that God would be with him and that they were to go forward. Well, now that time has come. The same, you know, earlier Joshua had spoken that language. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us. A land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. That was the language of Joshua and Caleb years ago. Well, now was the time to do it. Now was the time to actually go forward and to fight that battle. Believing in God. Though they were going to face enemies, they have a strong fortress. Some have a strong fortress. Though they have many weapons. Though there be those that would be big. They were to go forward and repeatedly they are told, believe the promise. So as we first looked at the promise, God would give them the land. He would be with them. God is with them, and that's what Joshua and Caleb referred to. God is with us. So it's not only God has promised us, but the idea that the God who has promised us to give it to us is with us. He will give us everything that we need. Considering what we had this morning, we are in Christ. God is with us. We are in Jesus Christ, who is God and man. We've been engrafted into him. We're led by one who is our head. Jesus is a type, Joshua is a type of Christ, and Christ is our head that's leading us. The one leading us is our head that directs us by his spirit, who explains to us the word, who brings the word to the, our remembrance, who strengthens us to fight. And our calling is to do what God tells us to do, each one in our station and calling. Say, well, no, we're not engaged in a physical battle. We're not trying to build an earthly kind of a kingdom the way many do. Each one of us has a station and calling. Work to do in our station and calling. In the home and outside of the home. And we're to be laboring diligently in that calling. We also as a church have a calling. Not only the proclamation of the gospel in one location, but also the, the work of missions proclaiming the gospel elsewhere. And there will be opposition. There will be opposition here. There will be opposition in other places. And yet we have been given a task to go forth to the nations. 
and to bring the word to the different nations. And as we see in the New Testament, as the missionary went out, as the missionaries went out on the mission field, there was opposition and there were even people that, you know, wanted to kill them. And they even threw stones at Paul. And Jesus said, if they, as we read this morning, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Servant is not greater than his master. So there's going to be opposition, and there will be those that will work together against us. And there will be those that will try to get us to deviate from what God tells us to do. And what we are to do is constantly meditate on the law. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe and to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. And at a very young age, we recognize that there are many that are trying to get us to do the opposite of what God says. As you children here know, there are many that are trying to get you to do the opposite of what God says. And you have a sinful nature that wants to do the opposite of what God says. The exact opposite. He tells you what not to do, and you want to do it. And he tells you what you are to do, and you don't want to do it. And that is the way it is with us when you talk about our sinful nature, which is depraved. But God works in his people. He gives us a new heart, and the Spirit dwells in us and strengthens us. And we're to look to him for the strength that we need. You need his strength. I need his strength. We, God promises us that he will be with us, and we are called constantly to pray. Constantly to pray, constantly to look at his word. And pray for the strength not to deviate to the left or to the right and to do precisely what God has called us to do. Do so believing the promises. God speaks to us. And God's word is powerful. When God says, be strong, God's word is powerful. God strengthens us. He speaks to us, and he strengthens us. We hear the word of God. Christ, our head, speaks to us. God speaks to us through Christ, just like typical God was speaking through Joshua. Well, God speaks to us through Christ. 
He leads us. He directs us. And his word is powerful. He speaks to us and works in us faith. By speaking to us, he works faith in us. The Spirit works faith by the proclamation of the gospel. The good news about what Christ has accomplished. The proclamation of the promise. As God spoke to Joshua, the promise. God works in him, worked in him faith. He works in us and in our children faith. And calls us to go forward as his servants. Moses is called my servant. That's an honor. To be called the servant of God is an honor. And that's what God says about Moses. Moses, my servant. Jesus, the servant of Jehovah, who was obedient even unto death. Christ dwells in you by his spirit. We are his servants. We are sons of God. Servants of the living God. Recipients of the promise of God. And as each generation, as one generation passes and another generation comes, each generation has its calling in his own day. There was the calling that came to Moses in his day. And now now he had died. And now it was Joshua who would lead. And there were many that would have been young at the Exodus. And now it was time for them to go forward. And there would have been those that were born while the Israelites were in the wilderness and that they heard stories about what happened at the Exodus. And now it was time for them to go forward. We in our own day have a calling. God has work for us to do today. May we look to God for the strength we need to do that work. May we be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all that God has told us. May we look to God for that grace, believing his promise, living to his honor. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father in heaven, we are thankful, O Lord, for the promise to us and to our children. And as we are involved in a fierce battle, Lord, grant strength unto us and grant strength to our children. We're so thankful for the covenant into which that thou hast made with us. May we be strengthened by the Spirit of our God, and may we and our children walk closely with thee.
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.